0: Quick is costly. Looking for the quick answer is how you end up with the wrong math or even the completely wrong investment strategy for you. You should always let the numbers make the decision.
1: Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal, best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the Landlord Helper. So, are you a landlord or investor who's self managing? Well, if you're self managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self managing, or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self managing, then. Here comes the free service. Here comes the free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714. I interviewed her about her best ever advice. Talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from. mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Austin Freesting. How you doing, Austin? I'm doing good. How you doing, Joe? I am doing well. And nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Austin. He is a full-time real estate investor. He started in 2010 when he was 25 years old and is now financially free at 32 years old. He has a whole lot of stuff. Here we go. He's had everything from single family homes to two units or to two 12 unit buildings, 107 rental units across 49 properties, He's got some cash investors in his larger portfolios, and he has right now a 32 unit under contract. He's based in Kansas City, Missouri. With that being said, Austin, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: Sure, absolutely. In early fall of 2009, I had a friend that told me, hey, you really need to check out Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. So I got into that and- As a lot of real estate investors, that was something that kind of changed my perspective on everything and kind of kicked everything off. So I ran a big spreadsheet to financial projections for different financial strategies, and real estate investing always came out the winner. So after that, I just purchased every book I could find and just spent the next many months just educating myself. And then I was able to close on my first property in June of 2010, and then... Fast forward, I would pick up some properties here and there. My favorite type of investment was purchasing something that was run down, fixing it up, getting it rented out at a much higher rental rate, and then refinancing it so I can move on to the next one and keep doing stuff like that. So over time, now I'm at 107 rental units across the 49 properties, as you said. And total, I only have 150000 of my own personal cash left in any of these investments. Wow. And
1: what's the portfolio worth?
0: I would say market appraised value right now, approximately $7 million.
1: Cool. Well, congratulations on that. How many of the 107 units do you have partners in? Most recently,
0: we picked up 80 rental units in the past little while that I've brought in some larger cash investors in on. And on one of them, I put up a lot of my own cash to get us to our goal of financial freedom. So I would have a larger ownership in that. That when I have 70% on some of the others, I'm 50% when using all investor
1: money. Mm-hmm. When using all investor money, does that mean you didn't have any of your own money in those deals?
0: Correct. I'll give them a 7% preferred return. And then on that particular portfolio, 7% preferred return on their cash. And then everything above that's uh, 50-50. Uh-huh.
1: How do you answer the question from an investor, and I know you've got this question before, in that particular deal, Well, you don't have any of your money in the deal, if it's not good enough for you, why is it good for me?
0: Well, I have actually haven't really had to answer that question because I've been very selective on bringing investors along. I've had opportunities for investors over many years, but I would always just try to do it myself if I could. And these were just large enough that I wasn't able to do it myself. So I took it to them and Some of the people that approached me over the time, they were familiar enough with what I've done over the years that they didn't have any question that if I was looking to do a deal, that it was going to be a solid deal.
1: If you hypothetically had been asked that question, how would you respond?
0: I would say I'm still signing personal guarantees on all of these loans. And so I'm with the bank that I'm working with, even though the loan's in an LLC, I'm still signing personal guarantees on it. So that means I'm risking the entire rest of everything that I own and putting my name on it.
1: Plus the preferred return, the investors get paid first. That'd be another good one. So you're signing other recourse loans? Yes.
0: I've been working with the same portfolio bank since the beginning. And they do some special things for me that are not standard, which allows me to bring less cash down as part of the thing. of servicing all the investment loans in-house. So they still want the personal guarantees.
1: Mm-hmm. What bank are you using that's local and what are some of the unique things that they've done to help you grow your portfolio? It's this
0: bank in Leavenworth, Kansas, just a small community bank. And they've been able to do a lot of packaging together, like on some properties that I was fixing up, like I could get a certain percentage of the purchase, the fix ups and the closing as long as their loan never exceeded 70% loan to value. And as long as I was putting a minimum 10% down. So as opposed to having to put 20, 25% down and then fix up in cash and then have a long seasoning period, we could roll it all into one thing with as little as 10%
1: down sometimes. How'd you come across them?
0: That's where I got started investing in rental property. So I just started the connection with them. I knew them before I even bought my first one. And when I went to buy my first one, they were of the banks I talked to and they've been great to work with. So I've just continued to grow with them.
1: You've got 32 units under contract right now. Can you tell us about that deal, the numbers and the projected returns and if you have investors in it?
0: This is another portfolio deal. It's across eight properties. So there's two duplexes, two four-units, 12 townhomes, and then one eight-unit building. And we're getting it just over a million dollars. Currently, it's pulling in 16,700 rents, but it's being rented under market. So within a short period of time, even without having to fix up much, we should be able to raise the rents to approximately nineteen or 20,000 with very minimal upgrades. And if we do a higher level of finish on turning some of these units over, we could easily be looking at probably 22000 a month in gross rents. Mm-hmm.
1: It's interesting that you went straight to the upside potential that you're realizing in this. And that goes back to what you said earlier about the types of properties that you like to buy. The rundown ones, you fix them up, you run out at a higher rate, then you refinance. Is your plan to refinance after a certain period of time with this one too? There's
0: a good chance we will. I'll discuss that. I do have investors along with this, so I'll discuss what they would prefer to do on that. And this one is not as crucial to refinance just because the cash flow is going to fund anything we need to do. If we go for the higher level finishes to capture that twenty two thousand in gross rents as opposed to the nineteen to twenty, then I think we would definitely look at refinancing in two or three years when that's done pulling all the cash. Plus, I would say we'd be able to pull out all our cash plus an extra 200000 or so with the new value.
1: And how much, if any, of your own money in this one?
0: This one will be another where I'm not putting in any of my own cash.
1: What type of structure do you have with investors?
0: This one will probably be at a 50-50. And this one, we will probably forego the preferred return just because it's going to take a little more time on my part than just putting the deal together. So it'll take some more time on the back end as far as getting all the units turned over and kind of helping manage that process.
1: What type of management do you have in place? Is it your own company?
0: It's actually a company that I started years ago when I was first getting into real estate investing. I knew my goal was always to have a passive income, but I didn't necessarily trust the property managers that were in the area at the time. So I decided to just start at my own company and then I sold that back in 2013 and they've continued to manage my properties since then.
1: You don't have any ownership interest in it anymore?
0: No, I just found people that I would trust with my properties and worked out a good deal for both of us.
1: Okay. So you had it for about three years, then you sold it. Yes. Did you make money on it? What type of return did you get on that one?
0: On that one, I probably only broke even. I might have even lost a little bit of money, but I would have been close to a break even on everything it took to build that company Mm -hmm. versus what I sold it on. But the more important thing is it was only three years. Even if I lost a little bit of money on the property management company, I now have property managers I can trust going forward indefinitely.
1: With your project, the 32-unit How long do you plan on having it and what are the overall project's projected returns?
0: Pretty much everything I do is a long-term buy and hold, like no real plans to sell. And my investors always know that as well. Again, I've been super selective on who I work with and I've never actually even sought investors. They've come to me and whenever I see that our interests do align in that, then we'll talk more about ever moving forward but i would say in 2 years in the cash flow might support everything that needs to be done so we might just take zero cash flow for the first 2 years and then we'll be at 22,000 in gross rents
1: what happens if an investor wants out
0: we have a very solid llc agreement that's written up i could buy them out or one of my two investors along the other investor could buy them out or they could get a qualified offer for their share and we would have rights first refusals. If they sell their share to another investor, the new investor doesn't have any voting rights because that's not who we agreed to get in business with. So if they could sell it to somebody else that is okay with that, you're allowed to do that.
1: Based on your experience as a real estate investor, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: I would say my best advice ever is that quick is costly. Looking for the quick answer is how you end up with the wrong math or even the completely wrong investment strategy for you. You should always let the numbers make the decision, but more importantly, know the why behind everything you do from the small scale of why you should use X instead of Y for each expense factor on a particular property, all the way to the biggest scale of knowing why one investment path is better for your personal goals than another path.
1: Using that example, why you should use X instead of Y on an investment property, maybe it's an improvement or something that you've done. Can you give us a specific example of something that you used and why you use it?
0: Well, a lot of times I see people wanting to just say, what percent should I add in for capital expenditures on a long-term buy and hold? And that just doesn't work. You can't just throw in a percent for it. Because if you're looking at a four unit that's maybe in this area with rents of $750 per unit, your capital expenditures are going to be a, probably a lot higher percentage on that than they would be a four unit over here where you're getting 1200 a month per unit. So just knowing why you're putting every number into your calculations and analysis is, is crucial or knowing that the vacancy is this percentage in this type of property in the area or this percentage at this type of property in an area that's maybe it's an A area versus the C area that's just a couple miles away.
1: Going back in time to when you got started, how'd you come up with the money to buy your first property?
0: I've gotten creative from the beginning. I didn't have much liquid at the time and I had read through a lot of Kiyosaki's books. So I had set up lines of credit before I ever needed them And I used a lot of that for the purchasing and fix-ups. And I've continued to use a lot from lines of credit along the way to do the work and then would refinance and pull the equity back
1: out. Was that with your bank that you did the line of credit initially?
0: I've had a couple other banking relationships and actually one of my lines of credit was at another bank. There were other times our cars were paid off. So we just got a personal line of credit against our cars and some other personal assets and things like that as well.
1: Can you tell us on that first deal with the line of credit, how much did you borrow? What was the interest rate? And then what were the acquisition costs? And just give us the numbers on that first one.
0: Boy, I, uh, as I don't As best have... as you
1: can remember. As be... <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. I don't have them top of mind, but I can give another example on yeah. a, a six unit building that I bought. And this was probably one of the best deals that I've done. I was able to purchase it for less than 60000 Initially, I was able to get a loan for 120 total, but the work and purchase total came to about 180 thousand. So I pulled 40 thousand from a line of credit, and that was at five percent, and I could pay interest only. And then I had a lot of material and stuff like that, probably another 15 thousand that I just put on a credit card, and was able to refinance it at 195 thousand within about four months after we fixed it up and put some tenants in. So, the 195 covered the 60,000 purchase, the 120,000 renovation and put an extra $15,000 in my pocket. Are you doing the work yourself? I act more as a project manager. I've hired pretty much everything out most of the time. At the very beginning I did a little bit of the work myself because I did work construction during college. But since then I realized the size of projects I was doing it was very much worth it to pay somebody else that could get in and do this $120,000 project. And we were done in six weeks. It would have taken me
1: years. Wow. That's unique that you are not getting in there and swinging the hammer. You did initially, but you learned quickly that you wanted to scale and you're not the one doing it.
0: Time is money. So every day, Additional, if I'm trying to do the work, like that's extra utilities, taxes, insurance, interest, payments, everything accumulates over time. And so, if there's a significant time saving in paying somebody else, you got to weigh that against what your time is worth in your daily or weekly carrying costs on a property. And oftentimes, you'll find out that it's worth paying somebody else that can get it done in a quarter of the time. And you'll probably come close to a break even on your carrying costs versus what you had to pay them.
1: A best ever listener is listening to this and he or she wants to essentially replicate what you've done because you've got a $7 million portfolio. You got only $150,000 is a lot of money. But when you look at the portfolio size, it's not a lot of money relative to what you've controlled slash own. So, what would be something that you think they might spend time doing but would be a complete waste of time when trying to replicate what you're doing? That's a good question. You know where I got that from? I do not. Tools of Titans, Tim Ferriss. <laughs> oh,
0: I've, I have uh, I haven't read a lot of that book. I'm going to start I, as- I, I'm going to start asking a, this
1: question more.
0: I have it on my desk sitting over here and I've, I've started digging into it a little bit. But yeah, yeah
1: when he talks about how to get better at a sport, he lists a bunch of questions. This is one of the questions I figured I'd pop it out. And you're actually the first person I've asked this question to. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, uh, trial by fire here. So boy, uh, I would say spend your time truly knowing the numbers. And if you're going to try to spend your time learning how to redo electrical or redo the plumbing or things like that, If you're going to scale, you have to be the big picture guy. And you have to be able to manage the little stuff. But if you're spending your time just doing the little stuff, you're spending your time trying to save a few pennies when there's thousands to be made if you spend your time on the big picture. Mm.
1: You have taken your own advice, that's for sure. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure, let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener. And guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue, and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and thirty-minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at com forward slash show. That's dwe llyn com forward slash show. Best ever book you've read?
0: I would say Thinking Fast and Slow. It's an excellent study into how the mind works and how decisions are made. And it can help you make much better decisions and also know where the other people are coming from in their decision making, which is a big advantage in real estate.
1: Best ever deal you've done that you haven't talked about already?
0: I'm loving this 32-unit deal I have under contract right here. We're getting in at about 1.6% monthly rents to purchase, but with minimal work, we can be right at 2%. The returns on this are going to be killer.
1: What's a mistake you've made on a transaction?
0: On a transaction, I can't really say that I've made a big mistake. I'm such a numbers nerd that I put them through the ring or run the numbers every which way I can. But as far as biggest mistake in real estate, just that I've made was at the beginning, I was introducing myself as the owner of the property instead of the property manager. It's so much easier to treat it as a business if the relationship is the tenant to property manager instead of the tenant to owner, since they know, like, oh, you're the owner, you have full decision making ability to grant me leniency or do every little repair that I ask for or whatever. So it wasn't really treating that part of it as a business and so I learned that lesson really quickly
1: best ever way you like to give back
0: I started up a little blog good life in 10 it's just sharing what I've learned over the years and trying to help other people get started and go down the same path that I did
1: and that's dot com.
0: yes cool I got to this point within seven years I think anybody can in 10
1: cool well, I have that in the show notes page. What's the best ever way the listeners can get in touch with you?
0: I would say through the blog. You can contact me via email there. And that's goodlifein10 at gmail.com or just checking out the stuff at the blog.
1: Austin, thank you for being on the show, for talking through how you've gone so quickly in a relatively short amount of time. Your main business model is buying the rundown or properties that need to be fixed up. Then you fix them up, you rent them out at a higher rental rate, then you refinance it. Tried and true approach that many investors before you and many in the future will do and have a lot of success doing. How you have a relationship with a portfolio lender, a local one in Levensworth, Kansas, and how you approach your deals. The quickest costly approach. And knowing why you're doing something instead of just doing it. Then when someone wants to replicate what you're doing, don't spend time on the micro level stuff that you can hire someone for. But rather make sure that you're a big picture person. Know how to be competent in the areas. I think you would agree with that but you don't have to be a skilled expert in every single facet. You'll go freaking crazy if you try to do that. So thanks for being on the show, Austin. hope you have a best ever day. Really enjoyed it. And we'll talk to you soon.
0: All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Joe.
1: Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantas discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellindwellynn.com forward slash show. That's d-w-e-l-l-y-n-n.com forward slash show.